You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Welcome to the Choose to Be podcast, everyone. Thank you for joining our conversation today. We are continuing the conversations around our children and the different aspects that these experiences have and will have an effect on our children, whether you're in a relationship right now working on repairing the marriage, whether you are separated or divorced, the fears and anxiety around children and how this impacts them weighs very heavily on our minds. This topic is is one of those that I call a hot topic that comes up a lot in my coaching. And I know Alana and a lot of your therapy and coaching as well. Today, we're discussing and addressing the issue when your spouse or ex is emotionally hurting your children or disappointing them over and over and over and how that not only impacts you, but how that impacts your children. So we hope that you'll walk away with not only some massive validation, to the emotions that surround this, but tools to help you navigate this. So first let's just validate all of those big feelings that come up with this, right? When you notice that your children are being impacted, there's a lot of emotions there. My brain instantly went to a time where when everything first came out and I was starting to see the extent of the damage of his years of secrecy and hiding and acting out. And when I really recognized this as an addiction, I had this massive fear of, oh my word, are my kids going to pick up on all this and are my kids going to do it? And my brain went a hundred different directions in all of these like ways that they're going to be impacted what the future could possibly hold for them. How have they already been impacted? Just, there are so many unknowns. And if there's anything in the world that I like love and care about and want to protect, it's my children. And so this whole thing at the relationship level is really impactful, but it extends so much further. When we bring in our kids and that thing that we care most about, holy cow, mama bear was like massively alert. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is de- this episode is definitely going to trigger their mama bear and a lot of women who listen to this when it is their partner who's being that pain for their child. And I just want to hold space for how difficult that can be when you are in a relationship, like you're working on the marriage and there's still that threat to your children and how hard that can be, that how straining that can be when you're trying to repair but you're also like hands up, back away, wanting to protect your children. How do you connect with someone when you are putting yourself in that protective role? That's got to be really, really difficult. I know that's really difficult. Oh, for sure. And I know some women who are going to hear the word threat and go like, oh, no, 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 no. He's not, he's not threatening them. Like he's not dangerous. And, but then at the same time, it's, yeah, he's, you know, addiction makes it so we really struggle to connect with other human beings. So yeah, he's not connecting with them. They want to be with them and he can't connect. He can't emotionally go there. When he gets upset, he may start acting like 
younger than them because he hasn't gotten those emotional regulation skills. And so there are components that maybe you don't feel like that extent of like, I have to like hunker down and be that person. But even if you still see them being impacted in a way that's hurtful to them, even that is hard. And sometimes we don't make space for that. Yeah. And I, so I guess my whole point to that is if you have been in a relationship with active addiction, or you still are currently in a relationship with active addiction, there will be impacts on your kids. And it's going to be wide and varied on what that looks like. But no matter what, hopefully to some level, this, this episode will give you some tools on how to navigate that. So going back to feeling your feelings around this and making space for those big emotions that come up when this happens, let's just talk briefly about what that might look like and going back to what it means to feel your feelings in your body. There is a difference. Notice when you're reacting to the emotion, maybe whatever that looks like for you, but feeling it is literally in noticing in your body, what sensation is showing up pull out the feelings wheel, feelingswheel.com. What emotion is showing up in my chest right now? That's swirling and spinning and stabbing around the heart or the upset stomach or spiky prickly on the neck. Notice what's happening in your body, name the emotion and really get clear about that. Make space for that. I'm thinking about an episode, right? Cause I'm like, this is all going to be moving too fast. Go back and listen to that past episode on the importance. I don't know what it's called, like power of feeling your feelings or something. And this will walk you through in more detail about what I'm talking about here, but letting yourself really get clear about what that is. And here's why I think that's so important is because there are so many nuances to this. I think everyone is in so many different places. And as we've talked before, right. When depending on the, where your partner is in their addiction, we know that abusive behaviors couple the addiction. And so that might be impacting your children as well. And so I just think it's really important to notice what your body's telling you to trust that so that we can get a sense of reality. So we can start to see things as they really are. And remember you're dealing with your own trauma right now in the middle of this, which is why this is probably even more confusing and hard to navigate. Sometimes I think that we can project that emotion onto our children. Either way, One of the tools that I'm offering you to drop into your body, name the emotion and let yourself sit there with it for just a minute. Get curious. Yeah. And, and then from there, as you really recognize your body, feel what it's feeling side note, if you can't do this very well in the beginning, that's okay. Because when we go through trauma, a lot of times we get separated from our body. We have the separation between our body and our mind and our emotions. And so part of healing is this reintegration. Mm -hmm. So slowing down and recognizing all of this is you actually healing. So that's really good. And then from there, we really want to move into what thoughts am I having about this? Because if you're anything like me, my mama bear is like, oh, hell no, this is not okay they are going to have all of these things happen, or I have to do this. And it goes into this like action panicked mode. And so really recognizing what thoughts I'm having gives me power to actually decide what needs to be done. 
And this is where Amy, you and your coaching, I think comes in so beautifully is a lot of coaching is really learning how to recognize the thoughts and then challenge the thoughts that actually aren't serving you or aren't serving your kids. Yeah. And I want to piggyback what you were talking about there when it, it really is hard to feel your feelings right now because of that disassociation with the body, then sometimes working top down with those thoughts, starting with those thoughts can be a place to start. Obviously, like you said, we want to keep practicing. You've got to, I'm just going to keep hounding this over and over. You've got to keep leaning in and practicing to feel your body and reintegrate, but noticing those thoughts and doing a thought dump, just get a piece of paper and a pen. Don't worry about penmanship. No, one's going to see this just what are, what am I thinking right now? Because again, we just want to get curious. We just want to see what's really happening here. So it's another grounding tool. You said something before about how this is going to be like all kids are impacted, whether you're working on your marriage or you get divorced or separate, whatever. Yes. Children will be impacted. And I just want to hold space for that because that might have been like, <clears throat> and so one thing that comes to mind is just to reiterate what you said. They've already been impacted. When there is unhealthy in the marriage, when there is conflict to this level, they feel it. And just like we were talking about in the episode with McKenna, like she felt it. She knew exactly what was going on when I thought that whole time I was doing a good job covering up. And we think that we need to protect our kids from this. And I just want to offer you this idea that when you allow them to feel the feelings that are showing up. When you don't discount their feelings and you validate them in all of this, this is going to teach them so many skills that like, I know this might be like hurting your brain right now to even hear that, how this could possibly be good for your kids, but working through your healing, working through these really hard times by not covering it up by, like you said, gaslighting, like I was doing to McKenna early on, validating and acknowledging what you can for them that they're experiencing, it really will help them in their lives. This can be something that will strengthen them. It doesn't have to hurt them. And when we go about it this way, like this is going to hurt my kids. This is going to destroy them. This is going to cripple them. Then in a way you're projecting in a way you're now looking for ways that it's hurting them and it can bring upon more pain than necessary. Yes. Yeah. So that is such an interesting thought right there that if we go around this world saying like this idea, this feeling of like, my kids are not going to be okay. My kids are not going to be okay. This is not okay. That is going to come out. Even if you're not saying those words, yeah. we tend to have actions that follow what those thoughts are and what those beliefs are. It's almost like a self- prophesying. I was trying to think of the word. Yeah. And so that's not what we want to put out there for our kids. Now I do see people on the other hand being like, oh, they're fine. This isn't impacting them. And I'm like, there's this really healthy middle ground of just kind of like slowing down and allowing there to be clarity of yes, it's impacting them, but it doesn't have to define them the same way for us that we go, his choices don't define me. And that took me a journey to get to that place. But even for our kids that this doesn't have to define them. 
It will impact them because everything in our life that happens to us will impact us, does impact us. That's part of being human and walking on this earth, but it doesn't have to define them. And there will be pieces that can have long lasting lifetime impacts. Your parents are your primary attachments. And if we have abuse happening from a parent, that very easily can be passed forward, but so can healing. Yeah. And so if we can come at it as instead of this place of like, oh my gosh, woe is me. This is not okay. And okay, this is what we're dealing with. And guess what? Here's how we get a heal. And here's how we can move through this. Like, I just think I have this like image in my mind of these warrior women who are leading their kids like through the jungle. They're the ones with the machetes blazing the path that their kids can follow. And their kids are still going to, they're still walking through the jungle. They may get hit by a branch or two, but you are literally leading them and teaching them and showing them what healthy is. Yeah. And I just think the thought of my children are capable of doing hard. I, that was one of the things that I put on my fridge when I was single going through all of this is we can do hard things. And then I remember one day I crossed out can, and I put, we do hard things. Like I believe in you kids. I believe that you do hard things and cheering them on that way. And I made a conscious decision to to think differently about this, but I had not looked at them and thought that they were going to have less of a life, less of a positive, healthy future or that they would somehow be missing out on something because of this divorce. My, my thought was they're going to serve more, help more, be more compassionate, more empathetic. They're going to be stronger. Like those were my thoughts that I had about my children. And like you were saying, your thoughts create your emotions, which leads to your actions. It impacts how I treated them, how I talked to them how I handled things when they did feel the impact of the hard, because they definitely felt the impact. They still do feel the impact. But if I'm over here wanting to hold them and coddle them and say, Oh, you poor thing, you're you're broken. And now your life is ruined. What is that? What message am I really giving them? Well, and what a gift to have a parent who believes that you are capable. What a freaking gift that is. I just think about those kids who have parents with anxiety, and I have a lot of empathy for anyone who's struggling with anxiety. I certainly have faced plenty of my own anxiety, but if you have a parent who's anxious, and then every time a child wants to do that, they're like, Oh, are you sure? I don't know. And well, naturally that kid is going to question every choice and every decision and wonder like, can I do this? Can I not do this and have this internal battle versus if they have a parent who's by their side going, you got this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little scary, but I'm right here. You got this. Yeah. What a gift that is to have a parent who can lead and guide you through those hard times. Yeah. What's coming to my mind is something that I've had to, some other shifts I've had to make that I'll just offer. You can learn through my experience is moving away from that. Hel- they call it helicopter 
mothering, where I just felt like I had to hover over them all the time to watch and protect. From my experience with divorce, that fear of sending your children off, they are now not in your presence and you don't know what's happening to them and you can't, I feel like I couldn't do what I thought I was doing in protecting. Like, okay, let me make myself really big and stand in between and protect my children. I feel like I didn't have that control, which newsflash, I never did, but I feel like I didn't have that when I sent them off. And that was just really scary. And I want to validate how scary that is. And so at some point I had to do this mental shift and see that he was impacting my children. I had no control over that. And my coach offered me a thought years ago, and this was a really hard one for me to, to practice, but I will just tell you, as I have practiced this thought for a few years now, I love it. So I'm going to offer it to you. And even if it's uncomfortable, that's okay. But my job, my role, rather than the helicopter hovering over, was my role is to take my spot in the front row of their life. I am in the front row. See, I want, I get choked up every time I do this. I'm in the front row watching and cheering and applauding and crying at the sad parts and laughing at the funny parts. But I'm not the director. I'm not the stage manager. I am on the front row supporting and cheering and, it, and watching them. My boys play baseball and they have their whole life. And my oldest son has this thing that he's done ever since, from day one since he was three playing. At some point during the game, he would find a time to look over and make sure I was there just see me and give me a little wink or do a little shrug with his shoulder. He has this look on his face that only moms know, right? And he would just look at me and give me that look. And even through high school, he's on first base, gets ready to steal. He'll look over and give me that look like, haha, watch this mom. I'm on the front row watching. It's that same concept that I've had to imagine in his life when I'm watching him being impacted greatly by someone in his life that he wants to trust, that he should be able to trust, that isn't trustworthy. Watching the impact that this man is having on his life. And you better believe I want to jump over that fence. Sometimes like when my kid gets hit by the ball or something, I want to hop that fence so fast and beat the other kid up. That's what I want to do. But my job is to sit so that when he looks over, I'm there. But if I'm hopping over the fence and beating kids up, <laughs> and I swear everyone who knows me is just laughing right now because I know I really would want to do that. Like, but that's not my job. That's not my role. And that's not where he needs me. Mm. He needs to know that when he looks, I'm there. He doesn't need me fighting his battles. He's capable. And I don't have to get involved. But when he needs me, I'm on that front row. That is a beautiful analogy. And I don't want to take away from it, but I can hear certain clients in my head who are going, but Amy, mm -hmm. Amy, what if he really is hurting them? Like, what if he's swearing at them and yelling at them? What if, what if they're getting abused? What if he is never there for them? And every time they come home or every time that they try to connect with him, he is just not able to, and they're so getting greater and greater depression. Like I can hear all of these women going, but Amy, but Amy, like, yeah. And, and all of these, what if he's teaching them to not respect women? What if he's teaching them 
that it's okay to turn to porn instead of your partner? What if he's like, how would what you if, what if, what if, what if, what if? I know. So many what ifs, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was saying earlier, though. This is their life. We don't have control over our children's life. We can protect them as best we can, right? Like my job, like my role, I define my role as a mom to protect them. But like, my 18 year old isn't three. I don't need to run out in the middle of the street and pull him back in. Right. I don't need to do that anymore. So the level of protection has changed over the years. And when you bring abuse into the, like if that, that brings up a whole other conversation. So when we're ta- when abuse is involved, physical, you get authorities involved as much as possible. Right. But you when we're talking that on your own. Correct. But when we're talking about verbal, emotional, spiritual, I want to tell you that I get it <laughs> very much so. And I have watched it affect my children. And that's what I mean by you better believe I want to hop that fence. It doesn't work. So you can have all the feelings you want about that right now. Like I want to make space for that's bull crap, Amy, like whatever, but it has never worked for me. And it comes back to the same idea that if you are sitting right on that front row where they know you will be, that they, when they have these experiences, they know who to trust. They know where to come. They have that yeah. primary attachment who is secure that they can. He knows where to look. Exactly. When, when he wants to look, I'm there. I'm not spinning around. And if I get involved in that spin, in that you're no longer even available to him. I'm not available. Mm-hmm. And well, I, and I, in this analogy, I'm so glad you brought it up because if you're in the relationship and you're choosing to stay, there's a, still a certain level of emotional detachment and detachment doesn't mean like, screw you. You're over there. I'm over here. Now we have this massive like wall and wall in between us or like a moat, but detachment means I'm not jumping on the crazy train when all of this is happening, I am emotionally detaching from the craziness. So I can stay grounded. I can stay available. I can stay present. And during that, we're not trashing the other person, whether we're in the relationship or out of the relationship, we're not going, Oh, your dad can't believe he's doing this. Your dad is this, your dad is that we don't, we don't even go there. Cause that's us jumping on the field. Yeah. You're getting involved in the playwriting. You're getting involved in, in, yeah, in their life Mm -hmm. with their narrative. You do not want to create their own narrative about their father. And I want to validate your experience with your partner is going to be different than the experience your children have with their dad. It is not the same and we cannot make it the same. And sometimes I see that happen. I noticed that myself too, in the beginning, like you must feel how I feel. You must like, Right. We're trying to like put our story on them. Yeah. That's so dangerous. And so really just finding your place in your child's life is so important to stay there and be that stability. But, but yeah, throwing your ex under the bus or your husband under the bus with their father is not going to help. It will not go your way. It will not make you look good. So I want to give you like a, that was what not to do. And here is what to do. Perfect. And in a coaching training that, that I took one time, they said, do not respond to your client and give them a reaction until you figure out how they land with that. 
And the other day, Luke and I were talking and he was talking about how this happened with somebody he knew. And this person came to him and they're like, yeah, this and this happened with my family. And Luke instantly had a like, oh my gosh, that's great. But he stopped himself and he went, how do you feel about that? And his buddy went, I'm pissed. And he's like, really? Tell me about that. And then the guy talked about all the feelings and he goes, I'm, yeah, like I'm happy, but also all this anger is coming up. Had Luke jumped in and went straight to his reaction, putting on the situation that this was a great thing, it would have totally bypassed this guy's experience. So with your kids being able to kind of stay neutral, again, like you're watching the play and, and making space for what they're experiencing. What was that like for you? How are you doing? Mm -hmm. What feelings are you noticing coming up? What are your thoughts? And just making space and letting them share what's happening with them. And then you being able to be there for them and whatever that is, that's, that's the ideal that we can really create the safe place where they can think and feel and process everything that they're going through. Yeah. I love that you gave that, that example, because that would help so much just asking them questions, getting curious. And as you're doing that, you're helping them stop and notice because most of the time the kids aren't stopping to notice depending on different children's personalities. Of course, I have some that, that are more of the reactor and you can tell they're just reacting by the way that they're swearing or yelling or whatever, slamming doors. And I have some that are shovers. And so just noticing your child and how they're reacting and responding. But either way, asking them questions helps them to stop and go inward. And this is why I was saying earlier, this is good for them. Like you're giving like all of these impacts, all of these situations are giving them an opportunity to practice life, to practice like seeing themselves and choosing themselves, noticing themselves. So that's, I love that example. And I've said this on the podcast before, but we don't want to send kids out into this world who have never experienced hard, right? Because if we do life, real life will hit and they will not have the skills to be able to navigate it. So if we can, while they're in our home, while we still have influence, even as they're adults, obviously to a much more pulled back way, but if we can be that sounding board, if we can be that safe place that they can process and learn how to do hard, it really does set them up for more resilience through the rest of life. And I don't know about you, Amy, but like that is one of the number one things I hope for my kids is that they can learn resilience. They can learn that when they not get knocked down, they know how to get back up again. Yeah. Between that and emotional intelligence, bingo. That is one of my top two. <laughs> yeah, goals for them. Something that you, you said there reminded me that I think sometimes too, we feel like we have to make up the difference when the other partner bails and we have to like counterbalance the other parent. Oh, I hear a lot of Disneyland parent, Disneyland dad, whatever, right? And take whatever your situation is, but either way you're countering, you're trying to balance that out. There's a lot of dad is not emotionally available. So I now have to be twice as available. Yes. Yeah. You're that's not going to go well. (laughs) And it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. So again, this could be a whole episode in of itself, right? So I know there's a lot of nuances to this. But I just want to offer this thought here that 
notice if this is what you're doing and just kind of do a self-evaluation get curious about that. It is not healthy for you. First of all, it's exhausting and you're not showing up as your best self. You're showing up trying to offset unhealthy. And usually it's subconscious that when we're doing it, like a lot of times we don't recognize that we're doing it and it's done out of love. So if you're listening to Amy and I, and you're like, oh no, I think I'm doing that. Please don't go to a place of shame and start beating yourself up. It's okay. For sure. Just again, get curious about it and notice and notice the impacts that it's having on you by doing this. And hopefully as you unravel that, you exhale a little bit and know that you're not expected to be their everything. You're trying to help them learn how to be their own everything. But if you're depleted, if you're sucking yourself dry by trying to counterbalance something, it's not, it's just not healthy. It's just not a healthy place to be. And again, kind of the, I feel like the running theme, the last few episodes we have is just how important it is and validating how important it is for you to be healthy first. So giving your kid as much control as possible over their own experience I know, I know, I know can feel very scary and threatening, but they are agents too. And you want them to learn how to think and feel and choose for themselves. And you can't do that if you're taking away their power by jumping in their bubble or trying to enmesh with them. It won't work. Your kids are capable. They're so capable. So warrior women, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing the good work. Amy and I are over here cheering you on and just happy, happy, happy to rub shoulders with you and watch you do this hard work. This is some of the hardest work you'll ever do, but the impacts of it literally will bless generations. And so keep doing this work, keep having this awareness, keep making space for these emotions and empower those little kiddos or older kiddos that you have to do hard. So thank you as always for being part of the conversation this week. And we look forward to having you with us next week. you who have left reviews on our podcast. We are almost at episode 100 y'all. How cool would it be to have 100 reviews by the time we hit our 100th episode? I think that'd be amazing. Help us out and take just a moment longer, head over to Apple podcasts. If you're not already there and let us know why you choose to tune in each week. You can totally stay anonymous if you want, but we'd love your help to reach that goal. We love our listeners and thank you for listening. And as always, choose recovery, choose healing, and choose you. Take care, everybody.